Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello, you're listening to The BIP Show. We are back for 2021. BIP is for business investing and policy. That's what we're here to talk about. I'm Paul Colgan, director at CT Group. I'm here, as always, with James Whelan of VFS Group. How are you now, Paul? Good, mate. Joining us from Amsterdam is Ken Vexler, managing director and chief investment officer at Acumen Management. How are you, Ken? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, Colgo. I'm well. Uh, the sun looks like it's going to appear for the first time in about four days. It's not raining, and the days are marginally longer than they were a few weeks ago. What's not to love? Excellent. Um, it's all starting uh, for you guys, um, and uh, hopefully some of those um, nasty COVID numbers are uh, coming down. So, um, But uh, w- there is a bit to talk about. This is... Our first show of the of the of twenty twenty one since the Christmas special, which was about a week before Christmas, and I think we're all a bit scratchy. But um, yeah. we're all a bit scratchy. It was a bit weird trying to set up this podcast thing. What is this microphone? Yeah, uh, just just trying to get back into it. Now, cast your minds back to the to when the Christmas special was, mm. which was I'd I'd been informed earlier that day that I had been at the same place as someone who had who uh, who had the had the Rona, the scratchy cough. So I was on lockdown. I did the right thing, but New South Wales got it under control, which which I said it would, and uh, and that was good. So a real credit to uh, New South Wales Health doing fantastic work and the way that we have handled it, which is why Australia is number one. Well, number two after New Zealand, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Well, New Zealand's not a real country, so um, yeah. That's good. So. Hello. Um, <laughs> um, well, apologies to our uh, cousins across the ditch. Uh, wonderful people. Um, don't want to start a diplomatic incident at the start of the show. There is a bit to talk about. What happened? <laughs> there was something. What happened? <coughs> I've been napping. I don't know. It's, it's, uh, I've been hibernating over the fucking over the Dutch winter. So uh, you tell me. Yeah, so similar similar to twenty twenty. If you'd sort of seen January one and then gone into a gone into a coma and then woken up on December thirty first, not that much has really changed. And the same thing week by week. But- well, there is this GameStop business. Um, uh, frankly, probably the most interesting, fascinating week, I would say, in markets. It has been. It has been a heck of a thing. It's yeah. it's it's the, the the paradigm, the dynamic that, that a group of people could do that. Yeah, that that, that opened my eyes on these ones. Um, I have to say, if I read one, I have of, opinions. Go. <laughs> yeah. oh, no, 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 go, go, go. We'll get there. I mean, jeez, yeah. just warming up, man. Four <laughs> coffee in the morning. Give me time. Um, if I had to read the explanation of what short selling was one more time in a newspaper, oh uh, like you know, short selling is when blah blah blah. Um, so, um, it- well, let, let me ask you this, actually, Cogger, if I can jump in. You're a former media mogul, you know, editor extraordinaire, and whatever else. Uh, what's your? Well, I don't know. I don't know what the Australian media media reaction was. I don't know, but in terms of the overall media treatment of the phenomenon. What's your impression? Was it was it fair? Was it just? Was it even-handed? Was it just moronic? What was it? No, uh, frankly, I thought it was pretty good. 
Um, okay. these, these stories can be hard to understand, um, I think. And so the financial press got onto it and then I would say, like when, when, the, when the GME squeeze got properly unleashed mm. and the price really started to move, um, the press was pretty quick to catch on to it. And, and it was fascinating. The coverage was, I think, struck kind of the right tone. Like, you've got to go, go and see what the, what, what's happening mm-hmm. to, mm-hmm. This, to this stock. Um, and I think a lot of people got a very rapid education in a lot of things to do with the plumbing of equity markets yep. Yep. Uh, in a very short space of time. And I think that's awesome. Fair enough. Um, uh, I definitely think... Like all of these things, my experience in financial markets, uh, covering financial markets, is there's all there are always things going on with trades that nobody knows about that yes. um, uh, that people miss. And you know, just today in the Wall Street Journal, I read that there's one hedge fund, um, Sandvest, I think called, mm. Um, mm. and they made seven hundred million dollars. Um, yeah. On on the um, which way were they? Long. I, they were long. Yeah. Got long in December, and uh-huh. uh, yeah. And so I thought that was interesting. The other really good story is that um, Paradise Investments, um, David Paradise's fund, very well respected, uh, um, uh, uh, Australian based, Australian founded, uh, global now global investment fund, had one point eight million shares long uh, in. GameStop in September, um, but they sold out of they it. Got out. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. So if it, you that's know, my kind of people. <laughs> that's who that is. It would have been worth half a billion dollars. Yeah. Um, that's uh, a year at the top. Yeah, but I mean, and you've also got, I suppose, you've got Silver Lake, which is now Platinum Lake or whatever the hell they're calling themselves, which were long of AMC and made made about a yard um, purely accidentally. We'll suppose they are. Oh, I'm not going to cast aspersions. I think they probably probably were long American cinemas on the reopening story and just got lucky. Uh, well ahead of time, but yeah, look, uh, I suppose I'm going to jump in so I'm just going to cast aspersions and just call, call people out and call things out. I think, for me, the whole, the biggest lesson out of this entire, whatever, week-long, 10-day-long experience, ironically, and it pains me to say it almost, is that I think markets are incredibly efficient, and this episode proves exactly that efficiency. Like, basically... <clears throat> The redistribution of money from idiots to those with half a clue was pretty quick. The redistribution of a misvalued stock, company, asset, whatever, also pretty quick. Uh, And the entire hype of everything that went on was extinguished pretty quickly uh, and efficiently, as far as I'm concerned. We can all, we can all, uh, what do I think was fair? Do you think, do you think the way that, well, the, the the way that it was extinguished was fair. If you take out take out the take out the clearinghouse requirements that they had to, to to increase margins, which was important. But do you, do you think that people were were harshly done by on you know not not being able to to, to make purchases and then the smaller size of purchases as well that that, that they just, well you, well I mean okay well, well we, okay we, we can't, I mean were they dealt with fairly? What what's fair here? The fact that Robin Hood had. Uh, mishandled the situation. They grew too quickly for what they what they could. Therefore, they didn't have the capital requirements to meet the clearinghouse rules. Well, that that's not on anyone except Robin Hood. Um, 
were people treated fairly if they couldn't buy a stock at $400 that is now worth, I don't know, what was sub-100 or whatever? Well, fairly or not, but, but it probably saved them about 300 bucks. Um, what, 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 you know, what, I suppose, what, what are we talking about fair? The market, the market is fair in terms of you either respect what it does or it doesn't. I mean, any conspiracy theories along the lines of, you know, the Citadels and the whoever, Point Seventy Two and Ken Griffins and whoever else of the world were out to get the little man and this was an Occupy Wall Street movement. I mean, do me a fucking favour. You know, pardon, pardon my French. It is the first show back and I'm, I'm primed to swear a little bit. But honestly, um, you can spin the story any way you like, but the fact that Robin Hood grew too quickly for its own good and was inadequately capitalised for the service that it was offering and by default signing up its custody to a margin account, which requires them to have capital on depot with the DTCC, like any banking institution needs capital requirements, and they failed to have that. But funnily enough, managed to raise that very quickly when somebody appreciated that the business model works and all it takes is just a, a hole to be plugged. They raised, what, north of four yards in about five minutes. Right. Yeah, it's two and two and two or something like that. Didn't yeah, they, they yeah. tapped yeah, some like, like, the, they tap some lines of credit, like half a billion, and that was yeah. the moment where I was like, "Hang on a second, because you only tap your line of credit when you've got a problem." But they tapped it, mm. but they that was just to ensure that they could meet all the requirements that they had possibly for overnight. Yep. Yeah. And then a problem's only a problem's only a problem when when the source of that problem is is not manageable or entirely out of the blue. This was manageable and maybe not foreseeable, but it justified. Do you know what I mean? And and it was dealt with very quickly because who wouldn't extend a line of credit to a shop like that where they're they're running out of capital not because of mismanagement but because of demand for product. Yeah, good, yeah, decent problem to have. I, I I like that more and more people are now catching on to the fact that Robinhood is selling flow. That's 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 always put me off. That the, the more people, if the product's are, free. You are the you product. are the product, right? And that's and that's it. You know, then that Chama. Yeah, but Chamath. Oh, just Ken, do you want to go on this one? Because I, I no, because I've, I've sworn a little bit, and I'll swear a bit later. We can get to Chamath later. But I mean, look, the reality of it is, okay, people may may be cottoning onto the fact that you know Robin Hood is is selling its its flow and whatever. Do you, do you think the average bloke or custody or whoever of Robin Hood gives two shits or even understands the, the genuine implications? They, they've been made aware of it, but on net, do you think it matters to them? And if that is being sold as the rationale for why GameStop tanked from wherever the hell it peaked north of 400 to wherever it is now and, and will probably keep heading south, if that's being sold as the rationale and the reason, well, then they're being missold. Somebody get the, the PPP people or whatever they have in the UK, you know, have you been missold? Well, fuck, they're being missold here. That's not the reason, right? The reason is it should never have been up at 400. I'm not saying that this is the other thing. I, like, I, I don't know anything about the stock and, and as such. I haven't bothered researching or whatever. I know what they do, right? But Just like everyone there's else. Nothing, exactly. <laughs> there's nothing to say that the short sellers, the Melvin Capitals of the world and the Citrons and whoever else that had, you know, strong short records and short positions in, that's not to say that they weren't originally wrong, right? Like, just because they had these posies on and got squeezed out of them doesn't mean that they got hard done by either. They can, like anyone else in the market, get things wrong. And there's a good chance they got it wrong, right? 
But that's not to say that in getting it wrong, they were wrong by a factor of about 25 times or something or whatever, the, you know, 100-odd percent, you know, the, the, the price change that it, the, that it underwent. They were just wrong. They got moved. The price rebalanced. It shouldn't have been at 400. Probably shouldn't be at 100, but it should maybe not be at 7 either. Yeah. I don't Is know that, what, what that, uh, you know, The market can stay irrational longer than you can stay oh. solvent, right? So... Um, like the price can be ridiculous, and it did almost put a couple of hedge funds, I think, to the wall. Uh, almost didn't, not quite. Um, certainly, a couple of uh, people got severely beaten up. I think one of them, one of the big ones, is down fifty percent. Yeah, Melvin. Melvin, Melvin they ate yeah. it. Yeah, they dropped seventy percent or something. So, yeah, so what? Yeah. Yeah. tough shit. It's a good day out. They yeah. got it wrong. The, the, the risk, the risk management for me, and this is my old as an ops guy before I did this gig of you know doing money stuff at the, at the front end. You know, I was an ops guy. We, we, we built the, the clearing company that most people who, who, who trade in Australia would clear through, um, now called Pershing. So I'm an ops guy and I see the risk and I think that, that first, like the fact that they, the shorts weren't pulled sooner was very puzzling to me. But more people, know, more people as well need to know just how, I believe, how close the market actually did come to, to serious calamity, that those margin positions did get out of hand and they, they could have been a real situation. I think it was actually... But hang on, hang on. Cal- cal- calamity in what sense? What, what market calamity did we avoid? I was just talking about the clearinghouses, the, cent- the central system in the States that, I think, right. that I, I think that had, you know, had Robin Hood not been able to meet its requirements because we, we saw this happen here. Cast your mind back to, I know, I know who it was because I was at UBS at the time, it was Tricom who failed to meet the market, who failed to meet their their settlement obligations mm. with the clearinghouse mm. local. At, at, le- at least twice a week for about three to three weeks, yeah. Yes, yeah. and, and that was when the Australian market caught up with the GFC and actually really then started to tank because that's when the real operational risk came in and brokers started thinking, well, it's possible that, that trades might not be met and settlement might not happen and then there was a real a real risk-off moment there for the, for, the, for the Aussie market. It was because of that. When you get that operational risk, that counterparty risk that kicks in, that's, that's the real thing that comes in. It doesn't matter about the stocks can go mm. up and down or whatever it is, but then all of a sudden if you get that, that lack of confidence in the actual mechanics of it, that's when, that's when, it, that's when it can cave in. Did you, sell I, did, you, did you move much to cash from your fund? I had, when it happened? Yeah, I had a few things. I raised, I, actually, I raised stops on some stuff that I don't want to be in anymore, um, growthy things, because I'm very much on the value and the, and the cyclical side of things. I want to be in small caps and, and so some stuff that I raised the stops. They got swept away early in the week when everything just, just came off. I was happy to see it go. So I was about 20% cash until last night and uh, now I'm about 15. So pretty happy with the way that, that went. Um, and the things that I want to own, it was, I'll tell you what, the really difficult position over the, over the break or the break, you know, the, the, the Christmas period, was having no spare cash at all. We were fully invested all the way through, and you really do feel hamstrung when that happens, especially if you get a, a moment like this. And I don't, uh, don't want to have that happen again, not for a while, because I, I think that there's, there's more rolling over to do in certain things, and, I, you know, I, I don't want to be on the back foot like that anymore. So I was, I was pretty happy with the way that it worked out. I'm still mulling over the, the calamity nonsense. I, look, not nonsense, but I don't, think, I don't think we were on the verge of a calamity in the US market. I think on the Tricom story, and I, I have, yeah, I, I have to be very careful how I choose my words here, but, mm, yeah, Lance, Lance Carnage, Rosenberg. Um, listen, yeah, 
okay. When best may, maybe we move on because I'm, I'm bound to say something that people won't like. Well, do you think? Do, um, do you think it's a chance that it'll keep on going? That this sort of thing, you know, people were talking about the paradigm shift, that the power of the people, the power of of having a bollocks. I, I think. I think. Okay. You, you want you want to talk about Chambers now? I think I'm ready. Uh, the power of the people. I think. I think the framing of this entire uh, episode was comical, first and foremost. I think the framing of it and the way it was portrayed and the, and the, and the monikers that were given to it and whatever else took it in a direction that it should never have gone, framed it in a way that was entirely illegitimate. And so now talking about, you know, the little man against the, 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 the might of the big man and occupy this and occupy that is an absolute load of bollocks, yeah? Um, the way this all started out was about a year ago. Some well, I can't. I don't know what the geezer's name is on Reddit. Something. Roaring Kenny. Roaring Kenny. Yeah. Well, and, and well deep, deep effing Some value. other bloke. Yeah. Deep yeah. Effing that's value. It, that yeah. geezer. Now, explain to me how you know David, deep effing value here, uh, punted fifty k worth of notional in stock and options, right, and just sat on it. Now, this is not your everyman. This is a registered investment advisor in the US that took the other side of uh, Melbourne Capital and, and Citron and whoever else and, and joined and held hands with Michael Berry of, uh, of you know, the, what, what's the that movie called? Or the, yeah, uh, of, of big short fame, who was also incidentally long of game stop stock for the very reason that he felt the business was simply being undervalued, right? And this bloke sat on the position for however long, this deep F value for whatever, and then slowly things started to tick over. I don't know what the catalyst for all this happening was, but you know, a couple of blokes on Wall Street bets, you know, whatever it's called, started chatting things up, and things started moving, and, and away we went. Right? This was never the little guy against the big guy. This was punters piling in on momentum and using their stimmy or their stimulus checks or whatever the hell else they had at hand, you know, uh, historical savings ratios, to just get on something that was moving. Um, that's it. And they're the very same people who, without any clue of what they were doing, are now left largely holding multiple bags. Yep. Yep. Wall so, Street bags. So, so, yep. Exactly. So now so now we get onto the chamiths of the world, right? The absolute fucking spibs, right? Now, this guy, uh, I know a little bit, a, a bit of, about his history and his professional success. He managed to get lucky not once but twice, and in doing so, confused a lot of that luck with innate skill. Um, the difference being is that that luck manufactured a lot of money in his bank balance for him. As a consequence, he's now, by his own reckoning, God's gift to everything. This geezer uh, is launching SPAC after SPAC after SPAC, which is just a vehicle for printing cash. I actually uh, love that term SPAC, and particularly because in Australia, you know, you can SPAC money off the wall. <laughs> oh, I know what it means. Uh, <laughs> um, but 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 but, that, but that's the thing, right? So and and what what is little, you know? And he's essentially, and this goes back to why markets are efficient. He's transferring wealth potentially from people that don't know, you know, w- what they're investing in. Uh, or, or what to do with it to to his own pocket, right? So basically, raises a spec, gets out of it ahead of everyone else, gets his money back and more, and then leaves whoever else holding whatever they're holding, right? A promise of this company's going to invest in, like, I don't know, fresh air, whatever, like whatever the the, the topic du jour is, right? Yeah, so, these guys because these guys like um, uh, uh, masquerading as men of the people, yeah. 
Um, yeah, so, so this geezer gets on Twitter along with a handful of others and is like, yeah, we're going to stick it to the man. And I mean, this bloke literally tweeted out at the, at the, at the height of this GameStop move, you know, hit me up with ideas and the best idea or the one that convinces me the most, I'm going to drop half a, half, a, half a buck, 500K into the whatever the idea is. And sure enough, six hours later, he comes back with, yep, I was convinced GameStop's the way to go, bought half a buck worth. Here we go. And, you know, I mean, what? Like, dude, are, are you a serious investor that, that's raising money for these SPACs or whatever? Or are you just a meme twat? <laughs> and yeah. spiv. Like, massive fucking spiv. Well, they're not mutually exclusive. You're not wrong. You can, yeah. Why not do both? There's a, there's a couple of things at work here. Because one is, I don't know if you remember, uh, it was an episode we did with Chris Weston uh, middle of last year. Yeah. Where we talked about some of this stuff at a tiny, tiny, really grubby level, which is people out there in little bulletin boards and on Facebook groups and stuff talking up uh, individual tiny little stocks. And because they're so illiquid, um, you know, if if ten, to move them. 10 guys get together and they've got each got a couple of grand, like literally, you can they can, move, to, they yeah. can move the, the share price it's, 20%. It's very annoying. Yeah. Companies up and down just on... You know, someone someone making the wrong move and just deciding on what inner I want out on a Friday afternoon. Next thing you know, the stock's a tank. Yeah, and and then you have because um, something really interesting has just happened as we've been recording. What do you got? Um, so so to to your point, um, it was, there was Chamath, but there was also. Elon Musk mm. got into the thing. Yeah. And do you remember they all like, oh, Elon, you know, he's one of us kind of thing. Well, hang on, the, the guy's like the, wasn't he the second, third richest person the in richest, the world, on the person, planet? No, he, he is. He's the richest, apparently. But anyway, that, that's not, that's not uh, donation, you know, and charity adjusted. But anyway, go on. Yeah, so so, so uh, while we've been recording, we're recording on, on Thursday, the 4th of February, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Elon Musk has literally d- done a tweet. Mm-hmm. With the word "dog" in it, oh, God. right? Mm. And Doge or whatever you want to call it, right? Like um, the um, the coin is up seventy five percent. Yep. Well, yeah. since the tweet or all in, all yeah. in. I think, yeah. Right? So look, yeah. you know, and now it's crashing, right? So like, <laughs> so the SEC, this is the thing. right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like this is just the SEC. Let him keep tweeting. Remember, after all of that, after the 420 funding secure thing, yeah. Yeah. he should not have been allowed to keep on tweeting. And that was... That was- see, see the, yeah. This, this takes me back to a conversation I had with a, with a close man, one of my best mates, actually, who also used to be in finance and uh, no longer. Not... Uh, this was when? This was 2008. This would have been about October 2008. And I remember that because it was the bucks for uh, our mate's wedding and we were having a chat. And basically his argument was that... Um, you know, the, all, all the financial instruments and then and, and derivatives and whatever else were terrible and, and this, that and the other and, you know, which I was surprised to hear from him considering his professional background. But anyway, and, and I said to him, you know, I trotted out, I think, for the only time in my life, the NRA tagline, it's not guns that kill people, it's people that kill people. It's the ineffectiveness and the inability of the authorities to have kept up at the time with the financialization of the various products that were being developed and understand what's actually what was being sold and not have proper oversight over those products that allowed predominantly for the proliferation for the existence of the GFC and for everything to blow up. There was no real oversight. Now, if you're not giving oversight to the fucking spivs, the chamas, the 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 the, the Elons of etc. of the world, well what do you expect? 
what do you expect? They're going to they're keep going because no one's not even slapping their wrist. No one's even calling them out for it. They don't, give, they don't care. So here we are. That's the next thing. And, then, and so the SEC has now said that they're going to investigate the deep... Deep effing value. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Right. They've so called him and, and Vlad from Robin Hood up to. And, well, they're gonna, yeah. yeah, they're gonna, they're gonna investigate Wall Street bags um, wow. uh, for um, for for fraud. Um, uh, let, let, so I joined the Discord channel for Wall Street bets, stroke Wall Street bags. The sacrifices that you've made for this podcast. <laughs> did, yeah, can, can I ask, Roger? Did did you actually understand? Because I logged in once, I think on Reddit, or not, not even logged in, just went to. The, I literally could not understand what was going on. Like, I just, I'm, I'm not, it was, it was as though they were speaking, I don't know, Chinese. Like, I, I, I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. That, Do you understand? A, well, yeah, there's a, no, not, man, not all man of it. of the people. <laughs> Go on, Paul. No, not all of it, it, not all of it. But you can decode it pretty quickly and you might have to do a bit, a bit of digging around to find out what they're talking about. So tendies, for example. Yeah, chicken tenders. Um, tendies were yeah. what they uh, referred to as, um, what, how they, referred to um, GME call options. Okay. So give me some tendies. Um, I thought it was profits. Tendies are profits. Chicken tenders. We went to chicken dinner. No, no, no that no, was okay. the G- um, GME, G- GME oh. call options All right. uh, on, on Wall Street bets. I got so, the tendies. Okay, yeah, fair yeah, enough, yeah. fair enough. Okay. Um, so, so there was that. But um, during like the, the, the real pump, when they all were acting as one and buying call options and the stock, uh, and the price was rocketing in after-hours trade and pre-market and, you know, uh, during the Wall Street trading session. Yep. And they were all, it was it was amazing. The, the speed that the chat was moving at was like you couldn't keep up. It was a blizzard of messages. It was a big party. Uh, it was pretty amazing, right? And now um, just a fire hose of, of messages. And then uh, I went back in today. And uh, it's actually, it's pretty sad, right? The place is full of trolls, bots. Um, there's some true believers, right, who are still in there sort of angrily saying you have to buy GME. Uh, and then there's like, I just um, took a note of a couple of the messages, like the shills that run Wall Street, best, Wall Street bets have cooked all of us. They need to burn, uh, you know. And then this guy comes in and says, lol, GME is effing done. Sorry, it's the truth. Um, it isn't. Absolutely, like everybody's pointing fingers at it. And the other thing that has happened is the Wall Street Bets Reddit, where it all started, is also tearing itself apart. Um, so there was this big post um, saying, um, "If you got a minute, I'm going to I'm going to read this because it's it's absolutely amazing." Go for it. Um, right. So these are some of the guys uh, who were kind of the moderators on Wall Street Bets, and that channel started ages ago. But this was just before we came on. Um, I saw this and, um, and took a note of it, right? So, um, uh, you know, we've been taken hostage by the top mods. They've left for years and they came back when they smelled money. They've been busy creating private email addresses to fun- funnel all the press correspondence away for their own gain, talking shit about all of the active mods and scrambling to get paid for some- from some movie deal. That's just what we know of. 
they refer to themselves as the board of directors. Um, no matter how hard we try to keep the ship stable and mo- moving in the direction it's been moving for years, we continue to be saddled with this team of losers that wants nothing more than to, than to return to cash in on something they didn't even have a hand in making. Okay. And it just goes on and he, you know, swears off and he says, you know... Um, Everyone looks, that's the, that's the blame stage. Yeah, it's just yeah. like any, any, any collapse of a band or an organisation or... Yeah, yeah. Um, you deserve to know. Yeah, but that's it. That, that's the, sorry, anger, denial, the blame, this, that, and the other. I mean, the, the, it, wasn't there some psychologist or some such nonsense that came up with it? The twenty-eight stages of bag holdery. It's, it's a five stages. It's yeah. <laughs> you go through it. It was denial first, and now it's yeah. now it's blame and anger. Eventually, acceptance is going to come that I'm going to be holding this bag, and I hope the game stop is a, is a thing. <laughs> well, what, what do you got? You finish it off there, Paul. You had it. Yeah. No. Just so you deserve to know that this place is being sold out on multiple levels by people at the top, um, and that everybody below them wants them gone and is heartbroken. Heartbroken. Like it's sad. Um, and but the other thing for me is, what did they think was going to happen when? the price got to a certain level. Like if you actually held that stock. It was mooning, Paul. It was mooning. It was going to a thousand bucks and fucking never looking back. Yeah, and their insistence was that you buy and hold, that you don't sell. Yeah. Hold the line. Hold. Diamond hands. Listen, what I I want to know is, and what I deeply suspect, uh, because this is how efficient markets work. So whatever, the momentum kicked off and before it really truly went ballistic, Who's going to show me the odds that there weren't, you know, real shops? And by real shops, I mean, doesn't matter, fund, fund, hedge funds, family offices, but like geezers with real money. Who's to say they weren't actually on board and and pumping this properly, right? Because because I'm I'm not here to call the the every man or the retail guy an idiot. Quite the opposite. I mean, everyone needs to have their fair shot. They've had their fair shot. Fine, and they're not idiots. People have done research. Some. Look, like, like there are people in hedge funds that are idiots, right? There are idiots everywhere. There's no, there's a global surplus of these people. But what I'm saying is the, the real money, the real push, I, I, am, I remain to be convinced otherwise that there wasn't, you know, a, you know, a number of hedge funds or real money or family offices, whatever, involved in pushing this along, no, right? You, um, you are correct. That's you- it. You, you uh, because what is it in 2020? And uh, the FT ran a, a decent article on this the other day about just these companies that scrape the websites and sell them to to hedge funds, to yeah, just to, just to see where the trend is, where the momentum is on this stuff. And it all started. I mean, the, the, they really got popular last year when everyone got their stimmy checks, and you know, sports betting was off, and Portnoy was there and doing what he does, and you know, everyone's got their Robin Hood. Oh my God, Dave says, Portnoy. There's another one. Like just you know, oh, bag holder extraordinaire. Yeah, Love the, you know, he, I think he lost seven hundred grand. But like, how much is <laughs> well, the bag worth? You know, like, and he's yeah. angry about you know Robin Hood. You didn't let us do our thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's if if there was an example. Sorry, go on. No, you go, mate. No, but Portnoy, if if ever there was an example of somebody getting lucky, mate. I mean, look, credit to him for starting his shop that he sold to whoever, Penn or whatever, uh, made a mozza on. And since then, he's just been, yeah, honestly, this guy knows about as much about stocks as I do, you know, travel to the moon. Well, well, there was that that, that one day last year, which was extremely funny. Remember he was going through those sessions where he's day trading from his desk and live streaming? Yeah, yeah. And he started taking uh, letters out of a Scrabble Scrabble bag and buying the stocks. That's that's it. No problem with that at all. And everyone just went and bought it. Stocks go up. And then the 
the, the momentum behind it becomes a momentum behind it, which I compared. I was on the on the telly the other day, and I sort of came up with it at the time. It's the same, sort of the same reason why people buy gold when things happen. You buy gold because you know people are going to buy gold. Gold is 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 strange, right? And we know that gold is strange. Silver is sort of well, that, that 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 reminds me. Go on. Yeah. So so it's it's people can have all of the reasons that they want to have to, to buy gold. It's inflation. It's the store of value. It's all this sort of thing like that. And and that's great. But most <laughs> of the time, people buy gold is because you know that people are going to be buying gold at that particular time. That's also why um, Bank of America uh, in the fund manager survey asks fund managers what they think is the most crowded trade, mm-hmm. right? So what are you most scared of being, not being able to get out of? When the exit's very small, when everyone yeah. needs to go. And it was finally a change a change in the top um, change in the top mark. It was from being long tech to now it's... Long Bitcoin. The Bitcoins. Yeah, yeah. Now, three three men on a podcast who have just talked about GameStop and Wall Street bets. Now, all of a sudden, talking about crypto—that's oh, just too much for me, mate. Did, <laughs> End did, of show. No, no, and, and I'm, I'm going to move on from crypto if I can. And just on the, just quickly on the topic of gold, that remind me, as I said, there's now a hashtag, at least on Twitter and potentially elsewhere, trending or was for a little while. You know, the silver squeeze or silver squeeze, right? Yep. In that, basically, hours, tro- yeah. well. I don't know. Look, I, I, I'll admit to doing something that I haven't done in over a decade, which is I punted some silver. Uh, literally, I, I haven't touched you know various PMs in over a decade. And last week, I, I punted some silver, and you know, I did what I did. Fine, happy days. Did it Those making the argument, eh? Did it feel good? Did it feel as good as it sounds like it felt? It felt a bit dirty. Yeah, yeah, uh, no, um, but basically, those making an argument legitimately for the fact that silver should be thirty dollars and higher and north of that, whatever else, I take their point, right? Uh, are, are some people trying to capitalise on the momentum and the and the zeitgeist of you know the people's movement? Yeah, definitely they are. Uh, have they failed on that front? Absolutely, because well, you know, markets are efficient. We've retraced. Will silver, independently of all this noise, in due course, head higher? Quite possibly. I mean, as I said, people that I respect uh, and have worked with and former colleagues and whatever else have legitimate and real reasons for, for believing that we revisit, you know, previous highs and we keep going. But confusing the two over the, you know, over the duration that maybe inside six months that happens versus let's get a hashtag trending and get people sucked in, whatever. They're two entirely different things. And one got blown out of the water quickly. That's that's the hashtag nonsense. We saw the market very efficiently discount that versus what happens in six months or whatever time frame. Well, well let's see. But I think it's important to, to understand that there are going to be things like this coming up over the next, I don't know, until until the, the, the momentum runs out of it. But I think there will be things coming up like this over the next few weeks where there'll be there'll be the next hashtag that trends. There'll be the next, is this the next GameStop? Is this the next this, that? Bollocks. The market is efficient and it will blow all of those things out of the water fairly quickly. Yeah, as long as there is, uh, as long as there is liquidity, then... It will be efficient. What I was afraid of, and this is this is a real concern, was March last year when those spreads widened so far because people physically couldn't be at their desks to trade, and everything just got sucked out of it. But you are right, Ken. For as long as as long as there is there are people in the market, it will be it will be efficient, and things will find their level. Stupid people will be dealt with swiftly, 
smart people will be rewarded. It's, it's, not, it's not even stupid people, but I mean, there's that old, there's that old uh, uh, quote, you know, that in the short term, uh, the market's a voting machine, and in the long term, it's a weighing machine. Well, I think, you know, here, if we look at GameStop, the short term was, you know, a week, and the long term was two weeks, yeah? In, in, in the first week, everyone voted, well, yeah, this thing's going to the moon, and in the long term, two weeks later, we've, we've reverted to, well, what's this thing actually worth? Well, you know, that's it. Can I ask you just one one quick question? What do you think this does for regulation, right? Because being out in the market, people are out there all the time, right? So there's this whole thing of now that if enough people get together and talk in a certain space, right, so the digital space in this case, we should all buy this thing. Um, how different is that to a whole bunch of people being out in, uh, like on TV? James, you do a lot of that. Um, just saying, you know, I think this is a good... You know, enough people going out there saying, I recommend this stock or this whatever, you know. It does happen. Mm. Uh, and being long the stock or, you know, or leverage long the stock. Um, what, what, what do you think here? Could, like, is it just the digital stuff that you try and regulate and how do you police it? Because obviously if you try and regulate that, it'll go to I would underground like to places, dark web, all that kind of well, stuff. Well, yeah, that's all right. But it, it's, it's getting people onto that. So the, I think the regulators have u- usually been across it quite well. And I remember hearing ASIC speak years ago talking about we, we, we know that now people are moving to, to talk over text messages and, and Bloomberg message, so we're trying to find a way to get that and encrypt that and get, it, and get into that. Something that a lot of people were surprised with every time I tell them is that on um, a very popular trading site, which has good hot copper, I can name it, so that's it, that, and I was friends with the, the, the guys that were behind that and the guy that used to be the CEO, and, you know, and, and we did you know, a lot of work sort of you know, together. He, um, uh, ASIC has admin rights, full admin administration rights to uh, Hot Copper. So that, and nobody, I was like, yeah, that was, that was part of the deal to get Hot Copper to either be shut down or give ASIC full rights on it. And they, and they did. So a lot of people don't know that. They, I did they, not they, know so, that. Yeah, that is they, very interesting. They, they have full look through to every user and what they can see and where they're from and what they post. So it's those sort of things that they've got to keep on, keep on keeping on with. But something like Reddit, how are you going to get into that? It's not going to happen. Or a small Facebook group. Yeah. 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 So on that note, what do you got, um, Ken? Yeah, my, my, my two cents worth. Uh, what, what's it going to do for regulation as a well? whole? Um, uh, three-fifths of fuck all, uh, honestly. Um, I think we're going to have a dog and pony show. I mean, Maxine Waters has called up Vlad the Impaler from Robin Hood, called up Deep F Value and Roar and Kitty and whatever else to have a chat in front of Congress or some special committee this week, next week, whatever. Who cares? Like, yeah, they'll have a chat. They'll probably get potentially, although I doubt it, they'll get done for something. Not that there's anything for them to get done for. And, and then we'll carry on. This will blow over and, and, and we'll move on. I mean, you know, Maxine Waters and her uh, and the like, they're, they're using this for, for political popularity points. We are the people. We're protecting the little man. They're perpetuating that this is, you know, the little man versus the big man. It's all a load of absolute nonsense, right? So as far as regulation, I think nothing happens. It'll be interesting. I, I certainly know there, is, there has been one immediate uh, market impact, which is short sellers have been looking very carefully at the short books. <laughs> yeah. And see what else, what else could potentially be targeted here. The great unwind. So the degrossing last week was the, the, the biggest. So that's the, the adding of shorts plus longs being taken out of the market was the biggest number since March last year. 
So that's yeah, but 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 James, ask yourself why, man? Because everyone runs the same VR VAR model and the same you know whatever else, and then they're just shitting themselves because the VIX went north of thirty five for about thirty seconds, and their VR VARs rather started flashing red, and they're like, oh shit, better pile out. What do you think they're doing this week, man? They're piling back in because the same thing because, yeah. exactly because VIX is now you know printing a 23 handle or thereabouts and then away we go yeah, yeah. US and vols are well offered right so yeah, I've, I've said this a few times over the last week was I don't want to have people super fund money in a market that doesn't really make a lot of sense now that's that that was that was the last one where it was just like maybe it's possible that the market's currently being sort of controlled by a group of guys on a website. Eh, maybe I just don't want to have as much exposure <laughs> to that. And I think that everyone. I, I, and I'm, 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 uh, I'll, go, I'll go straight back in. Like that now that that's done. Exactly. I want to. I want to ask you exactly on that because you and I run money with 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 different sort of well, different terms, different durations, different profiles, right? So. When you're running money for, for an individual, you know, it's their super money. It's obviously over the longer term. It's, it's not like... So my point is, this, this whole episode with GameStop and, and the market movements that happened around it as a consequence and first derivative of it lasted, what, 10 days, 12 days? Are you adjusting as quickly to that? Or Because ultimately, if we look at where the market, you know, let's say the S&P and the broader indexes, they're pretty much where they were before all this noise, etc., right? So... Uh, do you do you just, should you just ignore it and just carry on and think it's it's going to blow over, which it has blown over, or do you incur potential transactional costs and opportunity costs and whatever else by getting out of the way? And I appreciate you're running in the money stops and you you know etc etc. But like, how how do you? And it's a, I'm, I'm not taking the piss. It's a genuine question. I'm trying to understand. How do you reconcile the two? Right? Like, what, what, what's your view on that? It was a chance. I, I, it was also sort of coincidental because it was a chance for me to, to, to exit things that I don't want to be in anymore. So that was that. Take, mm, for example, okay. when, the in, when the insurrection happened on the 6th of January and I was, I was up north in some beach house watching that and my wife was saying, what's going on? It's like, it, this, is in, this, is, this is big time. The, the, the mm. world's largest military is, they're just walking through the front door. I didn't sell a single thing. I had no intention of selling anything at all. And the market actually kept on going to, to, to new highs. So take that and then compare it to the last few days where I was happy to see some things taken away and go to 20% because I saw that there was a potential for, for, for serious operational counterparty structural risk with the market. I just had that smell of same as March last year where no one could, no one could physically talk or trade, to, trade with each other and I didn't want to be a part of that. Part of the strength of performance in 2020 was because of the activity that I made in late Feb and March that we're ahead of that sell-off and that's 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 what gave us a really good base to go from for the rest of the year. So that that, that was okay. that it was just the opportunity. And the real thing was quite frankly, mate, it was it was just that I saw that there was a potential for a structural degradation of the market. And that's mm. that's me. My mouth has gone all to cotton, so I'm about done, Paul, mate. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> yeah, I tell you what, um, Rather you both than me. Um, yeah. Um, okay. Uh, you've been listening to the BIP show. You can find us on iTunes. Um, uh, you- can I, I'm, I'm going to interrupt. I apologize for all the swearing uh, because I think I've rolled in all of last year's quota and probably all of this year's quota all into this episode. So no more swearing from me. Uh, it's just that we've touched on 
topics and people that drive me absolutely, here's the last one, fucking insane. Yep. Right? And so I just couldn't help myself. And I've been locked up for, for the last six months in lockdown. So here we are. So apologies, listeners. Uh, and for those of you hoping for more, bad luck. It's not going to happen. I'm going to contain myself. Let's go. We're, we're on Twitter. It's at the underscore bip <laughs> underscore show. And we're on Facebook too. Just search the bip show. We're there individually at Colgo at James Whelan 42 and at Sweary Canary. Um, no, <laughs> it's at, at, at Ken Vexler. Um, don't forget to hit subscribe and rate the show. We love those five-star ratings. Thanks, everybody. Uh, it's great to be back, uh, James. Uh, uh, nice to see you again. I haven't seen you in weeks. Yeah, you're looking well, Paul. It's good. Um, I, I'm looking forward to this whole GameStop thing being behind us. We can then get on to... Real market market <laughs> nonsense again, and, and, and talk about that. But Buy a whole lot yeah, of stuff. The market didn't make sense last week. It's going to make no sense next week. Well, no. Look, I I, I think one thing that's interesting. I'm still. I, I think the recovery is going to be faster. I think China's a little bit of a worry at the moment. Yeah. Uh, a few outbreaks there. If the breaks got on the the recovery there, that would be bad. Um, but uh, U.S. Congress is about to shove through two trillion dollars. Um, and there's another $2 trillion in infrastructure spending coming that's into the great. U.S. So that's basically two Australian economies getting dumped into the United States, yes, yes. into the world's biggest economy um, in, in um, the next, over the, over the next couple of years, um, and a lot of it this year. So, um, yep. you know, there are reasons to be optimistic, and uh, I think the Australian economy, um, uh, there, there have been cues at the elevator um, uh, People are back this week. Yep, yeah. Um, the the trains have been busy, uh, so um, yeah, uh, it's going to be interesting. Uh, this show is produced by Eamon Connolly and Rick Salter. We will catch you next time. Thanks for listening. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.